Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Good morning, Eric McMahon here, pastor of Watershed Church. And normally in a lot of church services, when we're all here in the building together, it's at about this point where we would take up an offering. But because there's a coronavirus going around and we're at a stay-at-home order from the government, we really can't pass an offering plate around right now. But you can still help out. Look, your churches are still working very hard right now to minister to your community, to meet needs of those who have needs, and there's still a lot of work to be done. And so we're asking you right now to consider giving an offering. And you can do that in, in a couple ways. Uh, one, you can give online. At the bottom of the description of this video, uh, there's websites, web addresses for Roxborough Church, for Wissahickon Church, and for Watershed Church, where you can click on those links and you can give online. You can also text to give, and there's instructions to do that as well. Or if you're really comfortable, if you're not uncomfortable with the online thing, you can even mail a check-in physically to the church of your choice. And let me just say a few words about giving. For us, giving is an act of generosity. We want to have a generous spirit because God is generous towards us in all things. It's an act of worship, and it's an act of faith. It's an act of worship because we believe that everything that we have is a gift from God above. And so we want to worship him by giving a small portion back to use for his purposes. It's an act of faith because, especially in times like this, sometimes money's a little tight, and it takes an extra step of faith to believe that when we give to God's good purposes, he's going to supply all of our needs. At Watershed Church, we read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7 through 9 every week, and I'm just going to read it to you now as a reminder of God's view towards giving. It says, each man should give what he's decided to give in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So if that's your heart towards God and your heart towards giving, then we invite you to worship God with us by giving an offering today. Hey, friends watching at home, my name is Pastor Ricky, and at this time we want to invite all the kids to gather around their TVs and join me in this time for our Kids Challenge this morning. Hey, guys, so you're probably wondering why I have these mittens on and this apron over here. Well, I've been stuck at home. Hey, Ricky. Oh, hey, Christina. What are you doing with that apron and those gloves? Well, since we kind of been stuck at home and last time I happened to cut off my beard, I figured I need a new hobby. And so I decided to take up baking mm-hmm. and I made these amazing double fudge brownies that I saw off Pinterest. Wow. And so I figured I'd give them a try. They look delicious. Uh, excuse me. These are not for you and they're not for now. Mm-hmm. These are for our friends later. And so we're going to wait a second, okay? Okay. Um, oh, I think you dropped your spatula over there. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Wait a minute. I didn't even have a spatula. What are you eating? Did you take one of my brownies? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You did take one of my brownies, didn't you? Mm-mm. I told you not to. Why would you do that? Oh, what are you doing now? Sorry? Really? Ugh, can't believe you. You know what? Thinking about it now, God's forgiven me for so much and for so many things, and probably a lot 
more bigger things than taking a brownie. And so, you know what? I do forgive you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's really crazy? This has a lot to do with our Bible lesson for today that we're going to share with our friends. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house. He took his place at the table. There was a woman in that town who had lived a sinful life. She learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with a special jar of perfume. She stood behind Jesus and cried at his feet. And she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair. She kissed them and poured perfume on them. The Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this. He said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him. He would know what kind of woman she is. She is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain lender. One owed him 500 silver coins and the other owed him 50 silver coins. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he let them go without paying. Which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who owed the most money. You are right, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman. He said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water to wash my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman has not stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You did not put any olive oil on my head, but she has poured this perfume on my feet. So I tell you this, her many sins have been forgiven. She has shown that she understands this by her great acts of love. But whoever has been forgiven only a little, loves only a little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to talk about this among themselves. They said, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So our big idea for today's Bible story is that God forgives us. And it's crazy thinking about the story. This woman who had done so many bad things, she's at Jesus' feet and she's crying and she offers Jesus a gift. And it's because she realized how much God has forgiven her. Meanwhile, this guy Simon couldn't understand why Jesus would forgive this woman. And Jesus tells him it's because Simon didn't realize how much God had forgiven him. And so he wasn't able to show the same expression of love. Jesus' parable that he shares with us, his story, was about one person who was given a small amount of money to borrow. And the other was given a large amount of money. And he asked Simon who uh, loved him, who loved the, the creditor more after his debt had been forgiven. And Simon answered rightly, it was the one who owed more money. And it's the same thing for us. When we realize how much God has forgiven us, we express that in love in the same way the woman did. And so what does this mean for us? How do we apply this to our lives? I think we can do this in two ways. I think the reality that God has forgiven us for all of our sins we can offer thanks back to God. Hebrews tells us that we can offer the praise of our lips. And so this week when we realize how much God has forgiven us, we can offer thanks back to God, whether that's through worship music or that's just you praying to God and saying, God, thank you, or, or some other means. Another thing I think that all of us have experienced while we've been together in our houses is that you've probably uh, 
uh, offended someone or someone has offended you, right? Uh, your brother or sister or maybe your parents, whatever the case may be. Forgive them when they, when they sin against you, realizing that God has forgiven you for everything you've done. And so friends, those are two ways I think we can apply this story to our lives. And so I hope that you're encouraged, that you realize that as Jesus has forgiven you of everything, you can go and forgive and also offer thanks back to God. I'm going to pray for us as we jump into this morning's sermon. And so would you pray for me? Pray with me. Dear God, we thank you for this day. Thank you that you forgive us. And thank you that you love us. God, help us to offer up praise back to you for what you've done. And help us, God, when uh, our brother or sister or whoever offends us, that we'd be able to forgive because you have forgiven us for everything. And God, would you bless Pastor Eric as he comes on, that you would use him, that you would fill him by your spirit to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. Glad to, that you're joining us today. Look, last week, Pastor Ray talked with us about hope. Now, hope in the Bible doesn't have the same connotation that it does today. Today, hope is more of a synonym for like a wish, something that would be nice if it happened, but we really don't expect it to happen. But hope in a biblical sense is much different. It's the assurance that something is true. So when Pastor Ray says that our hope is in God, he means that we can act on the knowledge that God is real and that everything he says is true and every promise will be fulfilled. It's this hope that carries us through a trying time like this when we're on a stay-at-home order, when we're dealing with a global pandemic like the coronavirus and we feel uncertain about what's going to happen next. We have a hope. In other words, we have the assurance that God is still in control. Now, we gain this hope through something that we call grace. We call it grace. And today we're going to talk about grace. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, it's in the New Testament. If you don't know where to find Ephesians, I look for Galatians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I remember that, but I remember in General Electric Power Company. Uh, so Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. And the words will be on your screen if you don't have your Bible. It says this, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, you have heard, haven't you? about the administration of God's grace that he gave to me for you. The mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have briefly written above. By reading this, you are able to know and understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This was not made known to the people in other generations as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I was made a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ, and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. This is according to his eternal purpose accomplished 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we see in Ephesians chapter 3 that Paul's talking a lot about grace, and we're going to really hone in on that today. Now, there's an old show from like the 80s, maybe the late 70s, early 80s, something like that, called The Beverly Hillbillies. And if you're my age, you remember the show. And it was about a, a man named Jed Clampett, and he, uh, he lived in the country and in, in the mountains somewhere. He was a hillbilly. And uh, one day he was out hunting for some food, and he shot, and he missed because he wasn't a very good hunter. And up from the ground came bubbling a bunch of oil. And, and basically, what the show was about was about folks trying to get used to being rich. They didn't know how to act. They didn't know what being rich was all about. And these folks didn't know what they were doing. So here's the question I have for you. Did old Jed Clampett one day hit black gold when he hit oil, when he struck oil? Was he rich on that day? Did he become a millionaire on the day that he saw oil coming up from the ground? Or had he been a millionaire all along, but just an uninformed one? You know, there's a lot of spiritual Jed Clampets walking around today who have untold wealth, which they are unaware of. And that wealth comes in the form of grace. There's several things. There's four things we're going to look at today. The first thing is this. We are beneficiaries of God's grace. We are beneficiaries of God's grace. Look, verse, look back at verse 2 in chapter 3 of Ephesians. It says this. You have heard, haven't you, about the administration of God's grace that he gave to me for you. You see, the Apostle Paul, God gave the Apostle Paul grace, but the grace didn't stop right there. God gave it to Paul so that he could give it to us. He could give it to the people who were hearing this message so that they could benefit from the grace as well. In fact, one of the fundamental Christian doctrines is that of grace. Now, now what is grace? I, I think first and foremost, we have to understand that grace is a gift, it's a gift, just like I give someone a gift for whatever reason I choose to, not something they earn, not something that they deserve. It's a gift, just for my own free will, out of the own goodness of my heart, if I want to give someone a gift. That's what grace is. It's out of the goodness of God's heart that he wants to give us something good. In these verses, we see mentioned uh, three times that grace is a gift. Now, there's two types of grace. First grace is common grace. First grace is common grace, which is God's grace to every living creature. In fact, in the book of Psalms, verses, uh, chapter 145, verse 9, it speaks of this type of grace. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. This is the grace that gave you breath this morning when you woke up. This is the grace that made the sun rise and the sun set. This is the grace that puts a roof over your head, that puts food on our plates. That's that type of common grace that we all have. Then there is a special grace. Special grace is something that I also like to call redemptive grace. This is the type of grace that we're going to really focus on today as we talk. The first thing you understand about grace is that we all need it, and none of us can earn it. We all need grace, but none of us can earn grace. Jesus said that no one is good but God alone. We are told that all have sinned and that the wages of sin is death. So what are we to do? Or rather, what is God to do? 
The book of Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 25 kind of spells it out this way. It, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as an atoning sacrifice in his blood received through faith. So by God's grace, his gift to us, his grace to us was Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, if you just turn back in your Bible, just one page, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not from works, so that no one can boast. You see, it's a gift. You have to receive it. What happens if I buy you a gift? And I say, here, here's a gift that I have for you. I I thought of you. I love you. I want you to have this gift, and I hold it out to you. What do you have to do for this gift to be any good? You have to reach out, and you have to receive the gift from me. If, If you don't reach out and take the gift, it does you no good, and it only insults the giver. And so what happens is we're sinners who deserve death. But God gave his son, Jesus Christ, he sent him to die on the cross for your sins and for my sins so that he could forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so that's God's gift to us. That's God's grace to us. And all you have to do is you have to reach out and you have to receive it. You have to admit that you're a sinner. You have to agree with God. Yes, I have broken your law, God. And you have to say, I receive your gift of grace through Jesus Christ by faith. You know, COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever you want to call it, it's, it's a global pandemic. We've mentioned that several times so far during the service. And we don't want to dwell on that, but we don't want to just dismiss it either because it is a big deal. It's going around. And, and COVID-19 is mostly a respiratory issue. It's mostly a respiratory issue. It affects your lungs and it affects how you breathe And sometimes if if you were to get COVID-19 and were to get really serious and you were to be hospitalized, one of the pieces of equipment that they would need to use on you potentially is a respirator. And a respirator is something that helps your lungs breathe when they're too weak to breathe. If you have this virus and it gets really serious, you won't be able to breathe on your own. So if you have a respirator, it's doing for you what you cannot do on your own. It's breathing for you. And grace is just like that respirator. You see, oftentimes we try our best to be really good, to gain God's favor, to try to be good enough to make up for all the bad that we've done. Maybe our good will outweigh the bad, and and we think that that's the answer. But no, God says that our righteousness, our good works are like filthy rags. He says that it's only by grace, it's only by his gift that we can be saved. And so just like that respirator will breathe for someone whose lungs are too weak, grace gives us salvation because we're too weak, we're too sinful to do it on our own. The salvation we can't obtain under our own power. And so we can be beneficiaries of grace if we choose to accept that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and for my sins, and we confess him as our Lord and Savior. The second thing is this, we are managers of God's grace. We are managers of God's grace. Turn in your Bibles uh, back to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 2 and then 7 through 9. 
You have heard, haven't you, about the administration. If you have that word in your Bible, underline it, the word administration. Some, some uh, passages say stewardship. About the administration of God's grace that he gave to me for you. And look at verse 7. I was made a servant. If you have your Bible, underline that word servant. I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. Verse 8, this grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ and to shed light for all about the administration. There's that word again, underline it. For the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. See that word administration or stewardship, it's management. It's management it means God gave us something and we're to take care of it. We're to manage it well. God has given us a costly gift. He's given us his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. And we don't want to mismanage that gift. It's kind of like this. I'm a parent. I have five kids. And there's been times, you know, all my kids have a bike at this point. But, you know, you spend a bunch of money on a bike and... Uh, and it's a big sacrifice for you as a family. You give it to them, and they ride it around for a little bit, and then they leave it in the front yard for it to get rain on and stolen. And you're like, man, I, I spent a bunch of money on that bike. You need to take care of it. Go put it away. Take it out of the rain. Don't let it get stolen. It's, it's kind of that idea, except on a much larger scale. I, I have something here. It's, um, this is a, uh, a Canon. Um, this is a Canon photo lens. It's a 24-105 redline lens. This, uh, it's kind of old. It's about seven years old now, but brand new. This retails for about $1,000. Uh, it's an expensive lens, new. I, I gave this to my wife, who is a photographer, for Christmas about seven years ago. Um, we have a little uh, family tradition at Christmas. Um, we, uh, we open up all the gifts, but then we have a big Christmas breakfast together as a family. It's real nice. Christy's, Christy makes it real, real fancy. She gets out. Uh, we're, we're, we've been married long enough to where you still got China as a gift for your wedding, right? If you're old, you, that used to be a big deal. So she gets out the China, and she puts out the nice plates and sets the table real nice, and we make a big old breakfast and sit down and enjoy it uh, together. But what happens is after we've opened all of our gifts, we go to the table to sit down for the breakfast, there's always a bonus gift on everyone's plate. And usually the bonus gift is something like $10, $20, you know, just something small, just a little something fun and happy. And, um, and so, but every now and again, we'll like really go all out and put something really special in there just to surprise someone. And so, so one Christmas, this, I had this as Christie's would call it a table gift, uh, table gift. And I, and I gave this to him there. There's one small problem, um, with me giving her this gift. Like she, she went to open it and, uh, usually we kind of open in order, but she just kind of dug right in that year. And so she went to open it. And, um, and she got super excited and I was trying to like tell her about the gift before she opened it. But man, she was so excited that she almost started to cry because it was like a really expensive, nice gift. And here, here's the problem with this lens. Um, I'll just show you right now. It's not really a lens. This is just a coffee mug, uh, that looks like a Canon lens. It's, it's a cheap knockoff. And, um, and it's, you know, I tried to tell her before she opened it, but it was too late. She had opened it and, and saw it and got really excited and, and got her hopes up. And so, you know, this was probably one of the most unfulfilling gifts that Christy 
ever received. Uh, it's, it's pretty useless. I mean, she still does drink coffee out of it. Um, I know she gets angry at me every time she does, but I don't know why that would be. But no, she, she really doesn't get angry at me. But um, she was disappointed when she found out that this wasn't really a lens. And as a result of this gift, I kind of broke her trust a little bit. Now, I have something here, and there'll be an image on your screen if you're at home, but I'm going to hold this up for the people in the room because we have about eight people in here. Can everyone see this? Everyone see this? You know what this is? What this is from? What store this is from? Anyone? Tiffany's. There we go. Definitely not Amazon. Someone said Amazon. In fact, yeah, this is this is from Tiffany's. Uh, guys are like, what, Lowe's? Someone said Amazon. Um, it's from Tiffany's. And ladies, if your man doesn't know, tell him what Tiffany's is. Tell him that's what you want, jewelry from a grossly overpriced department store. Uh, it's all those things. But we're originally, my wife and I are originally from Tennessee. And there's this old Southern tradition that we're old enough to be a part of where uh, younger women would have something called a hope chest. And it's typically like a cedar chest. And when they were young, they would fill it with things that they would want to eventually put in their home when they got their own home. And, and Christy had one of these. Now, Christy's senior year, uh, she was given a trip to New York City from Memphis to New York. And it was her first time in New York. And she went and had a great time. And while she was in New York City, she decided to go to Tiffany's. And she bought all kinds of nice things for what would be her future home from Tiffany's. And, uh, and so a couple years later, we got engaged. We're getting ready to get married. Uh, I was living in Nashville, Tennessee, while she's living in Memphis. And before the wedding, we loaded up all of Christie's things, and we decided to put them in the back of my pickup truck, and I was going to take them to my apartment in Nashville, so it was there and ready for us to go. And the last box that we put in the truck was Christie's box of things from Tiffany's. Um, there's one problem. Uh, before I left and pulled out of the driveway, I forgot to put the tailgate up on the back of my pickup truck. And I drove all the way from Memphis to Nashville, which is about a three-hour drive, with the tailgate down in my pickup truck. Um, guess what box was not still in the truck when I got to Nashville? The box with everything from Tiffany's. Um, I still haven't lived that one down. But if you fast forward about 13 to 14 years, I've been skimping and saving to buy Christie something from Tiffany's, just kind of like a small token. You know, I'm on a pastor's salary, really can't afford that, but just like something to give her. So our anniversary's in January. It's the month after Christmas, and I had finally saved up enough to buy Christy a small piece of jewelry from Tiffany to give to her on our anniversary the month after I gave her the photo lens mug. And so on the night of our anniversary, I had the Tiffany, the iconic Tiffany box, and I had it, and I was so excited. I was like, man, she is going to love this so much. And so, like, I couldn't wait. You know, I'm, like, just pacing the floor already, ready to give her this amazing gift. And the time came, and I pulled out the Tiffany box, and I said, here you go, baby. This is for you. And she, like, didn't even crack a smile. It was like, oh, Okay. I'm like, what's going on, man? I must have said something. I must have made her mad. And then she got kind of like a little sad, a little mad, like a little tears. I was like, I want to think those are happy tears, but I don't think they're quite happy tears. I think she's upset about something. And she kind of slowly opened the box and looked at it and just kind of like this disbelief was there. Not like the good disbelief, like I just won the lottery. I can't believe I won the lottery. It's like, I can't believe you're doing this to me again, disbelief. You see, what, what she shared to me is, 
that she was so disappointed over the camera lens mug that she didn't want to get her hopes up that the jewelry in that box was real. And so she just didn't have that good of, of a reaction. And, and I tell you all that to tell you this. This is what happens when we mismanage God's grace. People look at us as believers in Jesus Christ, and if we mismanage God's grace, they think we're just some cheap knockoff. They think that we're a fake lens, that we're phony, that, that we're hypocrites. We break people's trust and make God's gift seem trite. And how do we mismanage grace? Look, if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. It says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, by him, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You see what happens is when we receive the gift of God's grace of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, when we receive that gift and we believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible says that we're dead to our old life. We're dead to the way that we used to be and that we're raised to walk in newness of life. In other words, God gives us a whole new life. But oftentimes we use grace as an excuse to sin. We say, man, I can just do whatever I want because we know that God's going to forgive us. And, and the Bible says, no, that's not the way this works at all. Grace is an expensive, costly, precious gift. Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it this way. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow. And it is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life, and it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin, and grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it costs God the life of his son. You were bought at a price. And what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his son too dear a price to pay for our life, but delivered him up for us. Costly grace is the incarnation of God. So God calls us to manage his grace. He calls us to manage it well. And we manage it with the way we live our lives. So first, we're beneficiaries of God's grace. Second, we're managers of God's grace. Third, and I'm almost done. We're going to do the last two really quickly. We are united by God's grace. We're united by God's grace. Look back at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. The Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ. You see, in this verse, you have two people groups. You have Jews and, and Gentiles, and they really couldn't be more far apart from each other. 
They really didn't like each other. They didn't really associate with each other a whole lot. But God, by his grace, brought two people groups that were so different, so from different worlds, and he united them as one. In fact, he didn't just unite them. He made them heirs. In other words, he gave them both an inheritance that came straight from him. See, we've been given an inheritance because we have been made part of the family of God. Here's the thing about grace more than anything else. Grace levels the praying field, the playing field. Like I said earlier, we're beneficiaries of God's grace because all of us have sinned. Every single one of us. I don't care if you're rich. I don't care if you're poor. I don't care if you're white. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're American. I don't care if you're Asian. I don't care if you're European. I don't care if you're Latin. I don't care who you are, what you look like, how much money you have in your bank account, or what your job is. We all stand in need of grace. And when we all, when each of us decide to receive the gift of grace, then we've all received the exact same gift. We've all been forgiven of our sins because we needed forgiveness. And we all become part of the family of God. We all become co-heirs together for God's riches. Not the least of which is his grace. Romans chapter 12 Verse 3 says this, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. So as we're united by grace, we need to remember to keep a humble heart. And especially in this time when we're fighting this virus, when we feel isolated from each other, know that God's grace has united us all. Know that God has a purpose for us through his grace. And finally, the last point is we are distributors of God's grace. We're distributors of God's grace. See, if we manage grace well and we are united because of grace, we must do something else with with grace. We have to do something with it. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2, and then verse 10 says this. You have heard, haven't you, about the administration of God's grace that he gave me for you. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be known through the church. You see, God didn't give Paul grace just to stay there. He gave it so he could give it to us. He gave it to Paul so we could receive it. And then God didn't give us grace just so it could stay with us, just so we could feel good about ourselves and leave it alone. No, God gave us grace so that his wisdom may be known through his church. And so there's two ways we can distribute God's grace. The first is by showing grace. You see, God has forgiven me of so much. Just like Pastor Ricky's children's sermon, his uh, children's challenge talked about the one for whom much has been given loves much. And man, God has, been, has forgiven us of so much. We need to show grace to the people in our lives. We need to show grace to people who have a different political ideology of us. Show grace to People who maybe think differently, look differently than us. Maybe they talk differently than us. Maybe show grace to people on social media who are posting stuff that you don't like. Maybe show grace to government officials who are trying to keep us all safe in a time of uncertainty. Maybe show grace to your kids who are at home, who are driving you up the wall because you're used to them being at school. And kids, maybe show your parents some grace as they're trying their best to do what's right 
and what they think is best for you. So we distribute grace by showing it. And finally, we distribute grace by telling it. Who will you tell about the grace that God has for us? God wants us to speak his grace to other people. He wants us to tell people that Jesus loves us and that Jesus loves them. And that God's not mad at them, that God wants to forgive them of anything that they've ever done wrong. And he wants to give them the gift of grace. So my my question for you this week is, how will you show grace this week during this pandemic? And how will you tell about the grace that God has for us? Will you spread grace this week? Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for meeting with us. Even though we're not here in person, God, we know that we're united in your spirit. God, we know that you inhabit the praises of your people. And that doesn't mean that we have to be in the same room because we know that the church isn't a building, but it's a people who you've united by your grace. And so, God, I pray for anyone who's listening to my voice right now. God, if they've never trusted your son, Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior, they've never confessed their sins and trusted Jesus, God, that they would do that today, Lord, that they would receive your gift of grace. And God, I pray for those who have done that already, Lord, who are call on the name of Jesus Christ and call themselves Christians. Lord, I pray that they will show grace to their loved ones, to their family, to their neighbors, Lord, even to their enemies, that they would show grace. And God, I pray that they would be bold enough to tell people about the grace that you have available to everyone who would believe in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I'm so glad you were with us today during this time of worship. I hope that during this time, you've been able to really connect your heart with the Lord. Pastor Eric brought a great word about the grace of God. And as we're singing our closing song about the grace of God, I want to offer you these words. It comes from the book of Acts, chapter 3. And there's a story in there about uh, um, Peter and John who are on their way to the temple. And on their way to the temple, they see a guy who has great need. And the scripture says that this man had been in this situation his entire life. And the man cries out to Peter and John, and he says, um, give me, so, so the man gave his attention to Peter and John and, and expecting to get something from them as he cried out. And Peter spoke back and said this. He said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. And in this moment where Peter and John declared that this guy would be healed in the name of Jesus. And and the guy received this gift, this gracious act of God's mercy. And I just want to say to every one of us today, whatever you've been going through this week and however however tough this season of life is in that that we're in right now, please know this. The grace of God is present. It is available And it is freely given to each one of us. So please, this week, reach out, cry out, burden the ears of God, but also extend grace. Share that grace with others. Speak on behalf of the Father to the people. And as you do that, may the peace of Christ supersede and overwhelm our hearts, not just here in this moment, but ongoing. Friends, before you end with us today, please, after this time of worship, 
go down to the bottom of our of our of the uh, YouTube page, and be sure to click some of those links. Check out what's going on in the life of our churches, and as you're able, give graciously and generously that we might be able to continue through this season to worship the Lord. May the peace of Christ be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.